everyone and welcome back to A Pint with Peter, an informative and somewhat comedy podcast where I sit down with my dad and have a bit of a chat. Ooh. We're on the dawn of a tear-free lockdown and the Northern Revolution up Andy Burnham. But we will be continuing our discussion on music rather than going back into COVID. So if you want to take the helm, Dad. Yeah, we need to shine a big light on life at the moment because we're all in tier three, aren't we? Everywhere is tier three, but we're not gathering here illegally, folks. Don't worry about it. What what I think would be really, hopefully, quite interesting for you guys is to actually uh, go through, in hopefully uh, an entertaining and informative way, in which individuals like myself uh, and many, many of my generation, what really mattered in, in our lives, right from an early point, was music. You know, people like, I, I'm, I'm looking at 70 now, but I, I'm completely addicted to music. You know, I, I, I love it. And uh, what I find really interesting, uh, as I think I mentioned in the last podcast, I speak to guys of your age, I speak to people who are younger than you, and um, you can quite readily have, a, if, if, if you're so inclined and have the knowledge, have a conversation about Elvis Presley. Or, or even Frank Sinatra, or, you know, it's kind of, um, it's like a cult, isn't it? Oh, yeah. People, people do love their music. So what I, what I think would be a nice diversion uh, of the next few podcasts, hopefully, would be to um, give you a kind of insight into not just my soundtrack, but the, the kind of interests and, uh, and developmental points, if you want to be too pompous about it, of, of people who were uh, in my tribe as it were, i.e. the hippies, you know, what were the hippies and uh, if you want proto-punks listening to, because when when punk hit, A, I was kind of um, trying to piece my life together and as you two guys know, knocking on 30, you know, um, although I wasn't 30, I I felt kind of a a bit too old for punk, even even at being 27 years old. Whereas a lot of the, a lot of the guys who were in punk were probably old, older than mm. older than that. I mean, I I, I don't. I was going to ask you later. I always ask people about your own uh, musical experiences. Um, I I did have a drum kit years ago. You know that, don't you? Uh, you had a drum kit too, but you probably share my ineptitude, don't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> How do you think yeah, back on yeah. it and feel sorry for you and mum? So, although uh, probably like most kids, I had an aspiration to actually play. It it all seemed a little bit too difficult and a little bit too hard. Is, is that what happened to you? Did you did you find that without proper tuition and? Um, I I would say so. Yeah, and I think it's just because as much as I love music, it's not my major interest like art is my major interest so when i had a spare 10 minutes rather than you get the drums yeah go on the drums i was like oh i'd rather just paint some models or yeah have a sketch in my sketchbook yeah you see when i was a kid and had that drum kit i mean i I was the oldest of four living in a you know fairly cramped kind of council house on on a council estate and if you started hammering the drums you pretty soon get complaints because um People were much more uh, straight-laced when I was a kid. And I think that that's something I'd really like to talk about, uh, the uh, kind of revolutionary, uh, non-conformist vibe that's behind an awful lot of music. 
I'm thinking it's. I mean, just to give you an idea of the uh, the lack of uh, material, uh, you know, possessions and so on. When I was a kid, I, I first became interested in getting a drum kit because there was a guy who I, I knew vaguely. We'd only be about maybe eleven years old. I mean, it used to be a patch of waste ground. And this guy, he was called Davaro, because everybody had crap nicknames. Uh, this Davaro character, he um, he collected stuff like biscuit tins. You know, biscuit yeah. tins, and uh, there was a lot of scrap metal around where we lived because it was a waste ground. And he basically built himself a little drum kit out of different sized cans. What's that face group called? Stomp. Like- is it Stomp? They, they they kind of do a musical performance with junk. Just junk, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so yeah. Yeah. I often think of Dapper, and, you know, he'd sit there on this piece of waste ground. He did have drumsticks. <laughs> that was the only thing he'd probably purchase. He could, he could really knock out a good tune yeah. on them. But, um, you know, maybe what I'm trying to do, I'm, I'm trying to uh, literally give you a journey in two senses, my my own journey, but I'm going to give you, uh, I mean, for a lot of music aficionados out there, particularly around my age, they'll, they'll know all this anyway, so apologies for that. But I thought for you guys, it would be quite interesting for you to uh, get an insight into the currents and, and confluences and, uh, you know, the influences that were kind of churning around way before my time, really. Um, and of course, you know me, I've got a kind of bit of an historical bent, so I'll try and give it you with a smattering of social history, if you want. You know, why, why did these developments actually happen, if that's okay? I mean, the other, what about you, Chris? Did you ever try and play an instrument? Oh, I played the guitar. Me and Russell both played guitar in primary school. Oh, yeah, right, right. I can't remember if we discussed that off camera or on the last yeah, podcast yeah. where... We have discussed it recently. Like, I don't know about you, but I was definitely just strumming along. <laughs> thinking I, I was playing, but I think back now I was just hitting the chords when I thought I needed to and just going up and down. No, I actually properly learned how to play guitar too. Not a high standard, but yeah. you know. Yeah, you, you see, one. you see that to me, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be defeatist. I mean, everybody knows that, but um, I think possibly when we were talking last time, I kind of hit 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 a wall very very quickly where I knew I, I wouldn't progress very far. Do, do, do you relate to that? Um, you know, I just wasn't musical based. Although, although I could enjoy music, I think quite a deep level. I wasn't particularly. Uh, musical in that sense as much as I enjoy playing I've still got um, a couple of guitars I don't oh, right. play them very regularly yeah at all so I think I think it's like anything in life I, I think um, I mean Andy who will listen to this you know the guy in America I mean he um, I think privately be, you know behind behind the scenes was practicing and practicing and practicing He's going to try and contribute to these podcasts, by the way, because you know, obviously he was and is a, pro- a professional musician. But um, a big difference, if, if you go back to little Andy and little Peter, uh, Andy had the benefits of having you know, quite an educated dad who uh, would have played a lot of classical music, I guess. But his dad also played the organ yeah. in the local church. Yeah, so Andy was telling me he'd be dragged along to the church and eventually he'd have to make contributions and I so on. I think that's probably, to some, like some musical people, that's the key. Like They've always had it in their life and sort of great, whereas it was something I only started when I was 
know. For, for other families, it would have probably yeah. been peripheral. Yeah. It would have been peripheral. Yeah, the, the other interesting thing I've never asked him is, uh, I think sometimes if you have siblings, particularly older siblings who show an interest in things, I think you do get very much influenced by yeah. them. I mean, I mean, for me, my early musical memories, my dad, um, he occasionally would kind of sing him about to a guy called Richard Torber. Richard Torber was... Uh, have you heard of Caruso? Oh. Well, Richard Richard Torber was second only to the great Caruso, and these guys were basically tenors, you know, Mozartian tenors. And um, I remember the one musical memory I can think of with my dad was he used to have a copy of um, I think it was Paul Robeson. It was Old Man River. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Do you know the song? Yeah, I know yeah. the song. And it's amazing how. Uh, how many of these old standards, particularly blues standards, because I, I can talk about blues all, all morning, uh, how many of these old standards are recorded and re-recorded and re-recorded over and over and over again? But I used to also go to my grandparents. So, so the older, older generation, don't, don't forget my granddad would have been a participant at uh, Ypres and, and Marne and, and Passchendaele. My, my early kind of musical memory was being there with a lovely, particularly on you know autumn, winter's evenings like this, they'd stoke up on Saturday evening, they'd stoke up a lovely fire. Uh, and we used to... Um, Toast using a toasting fork. Oh, yeah. yeah. But in the background, I think this is quite pertinent and quite interesting. In the background, on Saturday evenings, they'd have like on the radio, because that's all, that's all they had a radio, they'd have like an old time musical. And the old time musical would contain songs that would have been around in, in the first and, and probably in the second. And I bet, I bet you guys probably know the words to most of them. It's quite weird. It's like a, co uh, like a folk memory. Um, let me think. Keep the home fires burning. Keep the yeah, home fires burning. It's a long, long way to Tipperary. You know yeah, that one, yeah? yeah. Uh, pack up your troubles. No, no, yeah. Pack yeah. up your troubles in your yeah. old kit bag. Yeah, roses yeah. of Piketty. And another one that I remember was called Goodbye, Goodbye. Do you not know that one? Yeah. I feel like I would need to hear it. Like I said, if I hear these songs, I'd probably sing along to all of them. Yeah. So, you know, I was born in the early 50s, so what, what you'd have around you, um, you, you certainly, not until the mid-60s, would have had anything uh, resembling a teen culture. Even in the 50s, even in the post-war 50s, into the 60s, you, you, even when I think you were 20 years old, you were like a trainee adult. You with me? Yeah. You very, very quickly were expected to morph into uh, a kind of doppelganger of your parents, well, which is like, very hard for you to understand, I think. I say you always see in those documentaries how they just buy a suit at, like, say, probably 16 and then that was the start yeah, you know, so, right. so they could look like the dad that's right and you, and you got a job oh another one I remember it's a World War 2 one I think it was Run Rabbit Run Rabbit Run oh, yeah. Run yeah. Rabbit Run so so it, my, my early memories you know when you heard stuff on the radio would um, I think you'd call them big bands yeah so you had the Ted Heath band uh, circa kind of 1953 you'd have Victor Sylvester uh, and the big one, which you you probably would know, would be Glenn Miller. Yeah. You know, the Glenn Miller band or, or orchestra. 
Yeah? He's, yeah. Not, he's nodding you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll just look at Russell, see if he's nodding you. Yes, yeah. I know it. I have to um, pull, pull things like that oh, from he's my just memory nodding bank. Yes, no, But what I'm saying, thinking. all this kind of stuff seeps into your consciousness. I mean, I mean, it, 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 to me, it's quite incredible that if you pushed me, I could probably remember the lyrics to all those World War One songs. And, um, as you know, something I'm very, very interested in is, is memory. I'm particularly interested in how I was reading a fantastic poem by Brian Patton the, the other night about um, time. What, what I think it's called something like "What length is time?" Something like that. And it, he, but what it's basically about is how somebody doesn't die, although they can physically die, they are still, in a peculiar way, alive in other people's thoughts. Do you understand yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't. I don't want to get heavy at this juncture, but um, as I say, although you you might rebel against things, a lot of these memories and so on that uh, you know have little relevance to you are still in there. Mm. Somebody, you're like impregnated by it. Radio. It, you see, I was talking to Andy about this. What what you have, if you think, if you really think about it, is why music reached a wider audience is because you had technical technological developments running alongside it you with me yeah. the, one, the one reason during that time i'm talking obviously i'm getting into the early 60s now all you had was the radio and uh i'll say a 10 11 year old i was getting marginally interested in in pop music and uh, as you know from my tales of the two um you know, proto-homo guys I had in my in my primary school. One of them, amazingly, even then, God knows what when she started off. He she he used to really like Dusty Springfield. Yes, I remember you saying. Yeah. Wow, and Dusty Springfield. Uh, I might be wrong in this. Is, is still a gay icon. Something uh, yeah, of a gay yeah, icon, Dusty Springfield. But that's what that's what that's what you had then. Those kind of balladeers, you'd call them. But what? What blew everything out the water, and inevitably it came from America, which is, which is interesting in itself, isn't it? Because I think even now our cultural influences are very much they have their origins yeah. in the oh, states. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Not all the time, not all the time, but but a lot of the time. Um, so you had um, the radio, and on the radio. Uh, you had you had programs like um, sounds like a porn movie, doesn't it? Two way family favourites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two way family. Yeah, yeah. Fuck my stepmom. That kind of thing. Yeah, have to edit that one. And and another one would be called Workers Playtime. <laughs> Even that one's which was yeah, yeah yeah yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Just yeah, a plumber coming around. Yeah, don't. Yeah, Workers Playtime. Yeah, my fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give, I'll give you an, a real insight here. My, my best friend at the time, uh, who I have mentioned before, he, he was called Jeffrey. Do you remember Jeffrey? Yeah, yeah, That's why I Jeffrey. support Nottingham Forest, because uh, we used to go in uh, Jeffrey's dad's posh car to Nottingham every fortnight, oh. and uh, his, his dad was uh, the ma a manager of um, what was called the Box Company. I mean, they made boxes and coloured papers oh. yeah i think i reminisced before about how at the weekends we, we'd have complete run of the factory amazingly <laughs> and we used to um obviously get red and white striped paper and make scrapbooks not as far as scrapbooks oh, and things. Nice. but um 
On a few occasions, uh, we, we were allowed into the factory uh, around lunchtime. And what you'd see back in those days, uh, you know, somebody much older than me could reminisce much more clearly about it. Because probably the work was so repetitive and boring. You had the radio on in the background. And uh, this workers' playtime programme and, and another lunchtime programme they had. You know, people sent in requests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you could hear stuff coming over the radio. So, you know, it was popular. M- music was popular. But the big thing, Andy and Ollie both came out with it. If you were a kid, the big kind of conduit for music around the time was Radio Luxembourg. Alongside this, it's, it's probably hard for you guys to see the connection here. You had... I think it probably was in the States in the late 1940s, but in, in the 50s, in, in the UK, we were, I think we were fairly late adapters. If you think about it, you had the development of the transistor radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And, and the, the big difference, clearly, between having a transistor radio and having a normal... You see, the normal radios were great big valve-driven things. I remember you, um, you switched it on, and you, you could see the big valves inside lighting up. It's like the Enigma machine. Have you seen the Enigma <laughs> yeah. machine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it used to light up, and you had all these weird programs on it, like, you know, Third Program and so on, and uh, Helvetia and all these weird programs. But with the transistor, you had a cheap plastic radio that was battery-driven sometimes, or, or, you know, you could plug it in, obviously, and you could go and listen to Radio Luxembourg under the sheets... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so you had like a subculture of Radio Luxembourg. I mean, apparently, um, at one point, Radio Luxembourg had 10 million listeners, oh, wow. which, which at the time would have been popular. But in the 60s, y- your mum will tell you this, why Radio Luxembourg became iconic. And again, I'm trying to link in the technological developments my dad's era, all the records, A, I think were relatively quite expensive. They were all 78s. I might, I might have got the term wrong, but I think they were made of a material called shellac, something like, you know, that, that's what it was. Uh, and it, and it, it, they broke very easily. But what you had again, they, I think I'm right in saying they originated in the stage. You, you had the creation of the single. Oh, yeah. you with me? Yeah. So s- suddenly you had this really attractive... Uh, simple format for single and Radio Luxembourg what why it would have had those 10 million listeners is because you had the uh, creation the emergence of the top 20 yeah so kids uh, you, know, I, you know I would have been 11 or something like that would, would listen to Radio Luxembourg and you, you would really assiduously note down all the songs that were in the top 20 and that was the kind of emergence of the uh, the massive singles boom the interest in LPs long players came much later everything then was singles you know the sing the single was absolute king yeah radio luxembourg i was thinking the other night it was uh, sponsored by stay blonde and brunitex shampoo so it was commercial yeah and then a little bit later what you had uh, were pirate radio stations, which you know would have. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie. There's been a few movies. Yeah, yeah. the boat that rocked. That's the one. That's the classic one. Yeah, that's the classic. But uh, the one I used to listen to was probably Radio Caroline. 
And I think the reason why they were offshore, I might be wrong here, was to avoid tax and so on and so forth. So you had that kind of rebellious yeah. thing. Well, didn't want essentially make an island on an oil rig, yes. like it became a separate, I'm going to say state. Separate kingdom, oh, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Sea world. The sea world, that's it. And then didn't the army like semi-invade? <laughs> like they pulled them off, they had to get people in to pull them off. I can't quite remember. Sea World's still going. Yeah, well, as in, in the, uh, it's still classed as yeah, it's nation. just floating there, isn't it? Yeah, there's still people living on it. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh. So what? I mean, I was going to ask you. I think I maybe asked you before. Um, I think my musical education was. I'm talking about being at school now was pretty much lacking. I think it was tacked on as an afterthought. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, we had, unfortunately, he was probably a really brilliant guy. We, we had a, briefly a teacher who was called Mr. Coates. And uh, Mr. Coates was, you know, these, I hate, hate to say this, but you know, when you switch on University Challenge, how weird some of them are, yeah. you know, as if yeah. they're from a different planet. Well, <laughs> Mr. Coates was a bit like that, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd ride up on his, on his bike and, he, and his bicycle clips and uh, he'd try and inculcate some kind of musical appreciation into us guys and uh, it just didn't work. You know, I'm, sh I'm ashamed to admit it. You know, he'd, he'd play beautiful classical music and, you know, any kind of diversion you could create, you, you would do it. Were you like that? Yeah, I can't remember if we did discuss this off mic or not, but I was saying the same. I think we touched on it too. Yeah, the music episode. lesson for us was, was a DOS about, I think especially in high school. Yeah, like, I even remember the music room. It was literally like the back of the school building, probably not seen a lick of paint since the early 90s. Yeah, that's, that's, really, yeah. that's really telling, yeah. isn't it? Because at the moment... Um, there's a massive backlash in a way. There's a resurgence of um, the old arts and sciences debate. I was reading an article this morning how some bigwig uh, wants to redress the balance and, and have particularly at, you know, at O level and A level, particularly at A level, a much more of a science-arts balance. Because I, I, I think arts education, which is a whole new debate, has been a bit neglected. Yeah, it has oh, been, yeah. Has been. and it is. You know, again, you could, you could, you could, you could spend a whole podcast, couldn't you, talking about the merits and advantages, uh, you know, even economic of having an art scene. But what, what really, uh, just to recap, when I was, uh, I'm talking, emerging into the sixties now, late kind of fifties, you, you had, and there always were jazz enthusiasts. If you, if you were talking to a different individual than me, and if you were talking to someone who had a, a significantly different social background to me, you possibly could be talking to someone who would have a real good knowledge of jazz. You, again, you've probably heard of a lot of the people who played this jazz, haven't you? you know, yeah. Rob, Robbie Coltrane yeah. and uh, yeah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but jazz... Something I'd like to get into in, in depth, because you know, I'm also a bit of a sociologist here. Um, I think, broadly speaking, music definitely has a class dimension, yeah? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think with your jazz, I, I didn't really know anybody who was into jazz, but I think your jazz would have been for your beat, what we call beatniks mm -hmm. back in the day. You know, they'd have roll neck sweaters and, uh, you know, talk about um, existentialism. I'm, I'm exaggerating for effect here. I think that's still very much the stereotype. Yeah, but then at the same time, it almost creates that problem that 
you know, it's almost like you want to say music is open, but then say for, you know, say in, in this day and age, if a posh person is listening to grime, I feel like all the grime fans would be like, well, well you're not a proper fan. That's yeah. right. That's really, yeah, that's kind of, that kind of categorization and, and herding people into, into tribes. It's very artificial, isn't mm. it? I mean, the other uh, one, and I do remember in the time where I lived, there were a couple of folk clubs. So you also had, you know, folk music uh, amongst a certain, you know, type of person would be would be quite popular. But I think I think you Joe averages were very much in, into pop, mm. into what would have been an emerging pop scene. You know, my friends I went to school with, primary school with, I mean, they, they had brothers, for example, who were into Frank Sinatra and Perry Como and, and people like that, yeah? Yeah. What blew it out the water, and if I'm preaching to the converted here, you'll, you'll have to tell me, is the rise and rise of, of American rock and roll, which I guess was personified by Bill Haley. No. You never heard of Bill I'll, Haley? I'll, wow, that's amazing. I'll admit to that one, yeah, I don't know that yeah. one. Well, Bill Haley, funnily enough, if, if you if you, if you you look at images of him, Bill Haley, were, when all this kind of kicked off, he would have been, I think, about 31 when he when he came to England. And the big hit, you must know this one, is Rock Around the Clock. No, I, I know yeah. the song. Yeah, I'm One O'Clock Two. Yeah, no. you know the one, One O'Clock Two. And it, it was in a movie... <laughs> It was linked, I think I'm right in saying, it was in, in a movie called The Blackboard Jungle. We heard of The Blackboard Jungle? No. Well, The Blackboard Jungle, again, was about basically badly behaved American kids kicking off yeah. in, in high school. That's why it was a jungle. Now, Bill Haley, he, he toured Britain in, I think it would be 1955. And when, when he toured, back in the day, I'll talk to you a lot more about venues. Back in the day, a lot of the um, groups would have played in cinemas. <laughs> yeah. And if you, if you check the images on Wikipedia or what, whatever, when Bill Haley played, the audience literally went wild. And, and you had, uh, you know, chairs being ripped out and, and you know, pretty uh, violent scenes going on. I yeah, think I think I've seen the video footage because this rings a bell. So like, it's used as classics of like nineteen so fifties, yeah, so like in TV programs. Yeah. Um, this stock footage is used as like classic. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that's I right. I know it's a bit more later. I was just thinking the Beatles as as well. They have the girls literally. Yeah. Looking like they've seen the second coming of Jesus. <laughs> They're on the their knees. Yeah, you, you you see, you think about it, in the context the fifties where. You're talking post-war. It was very, very dire. It was very, very austere. And it was also, in a way, very uh, straight-laced and, and controlled. So, as an older person, when you saw what was happening uh, with Bill Haley and so on and so forth, it must have really, really shocked you. And it's that kind of... Uh, it's still there with rock and roll, isn't it? And, and music generally is that kind of strand of it that's there to shock. Oh yeah. yeah, it's there to shock. I mean, I mean, there wasn't have been anything like quite an experience like it up until that point, really. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was watching. I mean, I, again, you can have a whole podcast on it. I mean, when, when I was a kid, the only TV for kids it, it was on for about uh, probably an hour or so. I think it was called Children's Hour actually, 
And you had these programs, um, for example, with, with animals on it. What was it called, Julie? Animal Magic? No, Animal Magic <laughs> came much, much later. With the rabbit and the... Anyway, what... what okay. Well, it's part of Watch With Mother, yeah. I mean, old farts like me can probably find hundreds of podcasts on this subject. But I was watching uh, a spoof of one of these the other night and it was uh, the parents were owls yeah yeah they had wise owl the, the mother was an owl and the father was an owl and the the father owl was saying they've got too much pocket money and there's little or no discipline the things that people do nowadays to make life difficult and dangerous is beyond my comprehension yeah and it all starts with a lack of discipline you with me? Oh yeah, that's the term you always You with me? It's a lack of discipline. And underlying it all, this is my fear, the stoats and the weasels and the ferrets are going to lead the children of the big wood astray. Oh. Was it called Nature Parliament? No, that was much that was a bit later. So that, that that's a really key thing for me, that it being led astray. Yeah. Uh, so what you had, I guess, with Bill Haley was a moral panic outrage you with me yeah so, so f- 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 i guess in a way for the first time you had a, a general popular intergenerational uprising i suppose you could describe Well, everyone, we're going to leave it there for now with the youth starting to be corrupted. By being a fan of this podcast and listening to my dad, you can definitely tell that it wasn't music that corrupted me as a child. Me and Chris are really loving this transition into the topic of music because we can finally throw our thoughts into the podcast. Because, you know, we weren't really around in India during the 1960s. But we would also love to hear your thoughts on what we discussed in this episode. You know, what were your music lessons like? Were they as shocking as uh, ours? And did your parents invest in a musical instrument that you gave up only after a week? Let us know your responses by going to our Twitter, at a pint with Peter, or sending us an email to a pint with Peter at gmail.com. Well, everyone, we hope you're keeping safe out there and on to the next one.